everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much for being here. We are a wildly unplanned, wildly inconsistent, wildly random uh, podcast uh, of a married couple. Molly and I have been married for 15 years. We've got four kids, 10 through 5, 12 through 5, and we homeschool. Uh, we both work from home for the most part. We've got two and a half acres now with 20 chickens and a huge garden and fruit trees. Um, and so we just talk about life. And since we don't know where the show is going to go because we don't plan it, we kind of live life in front of you guys. Um, I do have, if you look down in the show notes, I've got a timestamp roadmap that will tell you what we've talked about and when. So you can kind of go through, see if it's something you want to listen to or scan through or skip through or whatever. But regardless... We appreciate you being here, and my sincerest apologies for not getting an episode out last week. Well, maybe it is last week, maybe it's the new week, depending on where you land on Sunday. But um, it was our first week of school, and I had just gotten back from being on the road for uh, three weeks on a tour, and um, so there's a lot of catch-up, just a lot going on. A lot of chaos. Molly had 900 bushels of veggies and apples and fruit to dehydrate which i don't know she can talk about later but anyway that's why we weren't around earlier so we're getting to you now at nine thirty-nine on the lord's day there you go and um we don't really make any money from this so it's not work so we're not working on the lord's oh, day oh no we are not working <laughs> yeah it's true we are not and this is kind of fun um so there is that or twenty-one thirty-nine on the Lord's Day if you're a military person. Sorry, oh. I gotta I gotta reframe my brain with ski season coming on to like speak in twenty four hour time periods that twelve hour time period. Huh. Yeah, no that that didn't register with me. Sorry. I love you. I love you too. I'm also staying up for the next couple hours because I'm going to pick up Molly's parents from London they've been in England, Europe, on the um they went Alistair, Alistair Begg? No. no. The other the other guy with uh, an accent. The other Irish guy. I think Alistair guy. Begg is Irish. I, now we're going to um, have to Google it. Uh, what's his my, name? my parents went to Scotland American, and England with Ligonier Ministries, a tour. So they did Scotland Pre- Reformed Presbyterian History with Sinclair Ferguson. And then they went down to England and they did. The Westminster Chapel and all sorts of other British history where and where it intersects with Christianity in England in London specifically for a couple of days with uh, Michael Reeves was one of them. Uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, anyway, with a couple of it was it was a Ligonier Ministries sponsored thing, and then there was actually a Ligonier Ministries conference in London that they attended for the last few days. And yes, and then their plane got delayed and they are getting in at almost one in the morning, which is going to be brutal on my poor mother. Your dad texted and said they still hadn't assigned flights. This is like maybe 10 minutes ago. The gate agent will not assign flights until 10 p.m. Oh my gosh. Assigned seats, you mean? Uh, Sorry, assigned seats. Yeah. Obnoxious. Their first flight was canceled, so they're kind of hacking their way, I guess. You know, the airline industry is I mean I realize that there's competition between airlines but when you live in Billings there's really not you're kind of stuck with the airline yeah. that will get you where you need to go in a timely manner and yeah. so in that sense it's a monopoly which oh, all operates of, all of Billings just right, like 
the government. I don't want to harp, but we're all, our gas is only one company. Our electric is only one company. Our internet is only one company. Our cell phones are... A handful. A hand, one like of two three. companies. But that's, um, but that's actually like, a government... Uh, there's a phrase for it. I can't remember. Yeah. The, but, called but, totalitarianism. No, the government has granted a monopoly to places, to things like the the gas company, the electric company, the cable company. They can tax in the it interest and, of and, in the interest of efficiency, because it doesn't yeah. make sense for five companies to be running gas lines into every neighborhood. Uh, it you know it's it just creates a huge mess, quite frankly. And so the government has granted monopolies. Okay, uh, I see your point. The, the the problem is when the the government then gets to slash has to regulate prices on those monopolies uh, because a monopoly does not have market controls on prices. And that obviously, I, I assume that most of our listeners would agree that that creates a whole host of potential problems with the hi I'm the government and I'm yeah, here to sorry. help. We don't need to go harping on the government. But we could. No harping. You guys speaking, speaking of harping of harp. on the government. <laughs> <laughs> so while I was away I took the opportunity because I was curious after seeing some highlights on Wait, Instagram. I'm super curious what where you got harp. Where, where, I don't know where you're going with um, this, actually. I was super curious <laughs> after seeing highlights on Instagram. So I watched the entire I listened to the entire Joe Rogan podcast with Robert Kennedy Jr. But you didn't... That's not where you started with Joe Rogan. You started Joe Rogan with Mr. Beast. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I started Joe Rogan. I did. I listened to the three hours of the Mr. Beast episode, too. One of the guys... So, my... Uh, so, I do... I work from home. I do a variety of... A few different things, for those of you that don't know what I do. We've got some... Don't worry. None of us really know what he yeah, does. Yeah, I know. We've got some um, some investments. We've got some um, some commercial real estate that we take care of. We have I've got a really small ATM company that I've had for the last uh, fifteen years or so, twelve years, no, twelve, whatever, thirteen. Um, and then what I've kind of been doing on the day to day level was uh, up until two thousand eighteen was. Uh, documentary film production, international, mostly international documentaries with nonprofits, kind of telling their story overseas. Well, um, COVID hit, I retired and all the things and ended up getting back into music, which is what I went to school for, audio uh, production and music. So I was out on tour with an artist from Texas as his front of house engineer, the guy who makes the, you know, the sound guy. Um, and the, the guitarist is this 19 year old prodigy, um, phenomenal kid um and he was just raving about this mr beast episode he's like it'll blow your mind and i've never molly and i have our kids found mr beast on youtube uh, a few years ago and molly and i have never been super excited about his content it's not i'm not gonna say it's uh it's it's large very largely not offensive not improper or immoral or anything Although like that. Although recently he has one of his main guys yes, there's has some, gone yeah. transgender and so there's been some uproar about that. There's some that. uproar but about that. But we had made our kids stop watching Mr. Beast before because he was just it was just dumb. It was just dumb. It was just a waste of, and he knows how to make anyway his story was completely fascinating 
And to a large extent, with his with his perspective on um, on food, his perspective on health, his perspective on business, his perspective on the government, his perspective, like I largely, his perspective on big tech, largely I agree with him on most things. So it was really enjoyable uh, to listen to. Well, especially and Rogan to is hear. just such a good conversation partner. He's, you know, and I think I was telling somebody the other day. Uh, I think it's because he's curious. Mm-hmm. He's just a very curious person overall. Like he asks questions, and his curiosity extends to the uh, his experience. His curiosity um, allows him to engage in things where he wouldn't originally have landed, or like a, uh, on an is- on issues or something like that. Like. He's, his curiosity allows him to be really open-minded, like, you know, like, well, I'm curious about this. like, And so he had Kennedy on because of something RFK said. And, and, and Joe in the interview is like, I asked myself, I was like, well, what if I am wrong here? Like, what if I don't have all the information that I need to have? And um, regardless, I mean, I, I find RFK for his, his health things, you know, a little bit difficult to listen to sometimes. Um, but because of his voice, his voice, yeah. But man, man, I I can never see anything. I mean, the the guy was just shooting fact after fact, case after case, stat after stat. I mean, the guy was involved in so many different things on the EPA side of stuff. So he like, if you want to talk to a guy about yeah, fluoride in the water, yeah, he cut his teeth as an environmental yeah. lawyer on the and Hudson Monsanto? River. It's like holy cow! Like this guy knows his stuff. Yeah, knows how the governments operate. Knows how the system works. Plus, he's a Kennedy, so he's got all that history. But it's like, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. And I, yeah, I'm just the yeah. Over the last two years, I've gotten more and more. Um, should I say this on the podcast? Like anti-American government. <laughs> just. Not a fan anymore. You know, what's interesting is you say say that. I, you know, last year for the kids' school, I know we've talked about this, so this is not new information for people who've been around for a while. We did things like read the Declaration and read the parts of the Constitution and read into some of the mindset of the founders of the American Constitutional Republic and we are so far beyond what they intended and what they framed was utterly brilliant in terms of absolutely a new philosophy integrating ways of thinking about humanity with checking power and understanding human nature the i mean i don't say this in a rah-rah nationalistic way but it really when you read some of the writings uh, like between some of these guys who helped frame the constitution and the declaration of independence and their wives and the things that they were processing it really feels like they were inspired. And I don't mean that in terms of biblical inspiration, but 
but there was it feels like there was something really special going on in how they were processing things and the way that events orchestrated different people's lives and them coming together and being able to be a part of creating the American Constitution. Uh, yeah, so all that to say, I'm very pro how America was intended to be. Right. I'm very pro-republic. It, but um, the way that American government currently operates is so far beyond. And the problem is... All of the alphabet, three-letter agencies that have almost zero accountability, they know that if they were to actually be operating according to the way the government was designed to work, that they would be out of power and out of a job. And, I mean, just for example, J.R., discovered on the Kennedy podcast with Rogan that people in, is it in the CDC or the FDA? The CDC. Well, NIH and CDC. It's, it's, there's similar setups in both. So, so if they help a pharmaceutical company, for-profit pharmaceutical company, develop a vaccine they get the vaccine approved and not just approved but what mandated on the childhood schedule so basically they're creating mandatory customers they then get a cut of the profits yeah if they if they've worked on so if one of the vaccines or one of the pharmaceuticals not just a vaccine but any pharmaceutical they work on that becomes uh FDA uh approved by the CDC and recommended by the CDC. The employee that worked on that project, getting it through the pipeline, gets a royalty cut, lifetime royalty cut, up to $125,000 a year for the life of that pharmaceutical. There is zero conflict of interest there. And what's even worse is the <laughs> F 50%, and this is stuff that RFK said, 50% of the FDA's budget... Fifty percent comes from Big Pharma. Did he even mention point, the revolving door between Big Pharma and no, the FDA? No. His point was they're not lo- they're not working for us, the people. They're not looking out for us. They're looking out for themselves. Yeah, and they're making so, a pile of money off of mandating selling things yeah, to us. It's funny because uh, we had a conversation <laughs> with uh, with our friends the Hansons up in Whitefish, and we got uh, Pete. I'm mean, Pete. Listens to the show. He'll start chuckling. Maybe or he'll roll his eyes, but we got Pete really rolling. mad at you for calling we, him out. We got yeah no, we got Pete rolling on his um, his twenty twenty four predictions and the reasons he's he's wants particular candidates in office because they will completely dismantle. They need to dismantle. They're not part of the system. The executive branch of all the, the all the all the stuff all the three letter agencies that were created via executive branch uh, stuff like. Congress didn't start the FBI. The president started the FBI. And so we need to do this. And so all those three-letter governments, RFK said the exact same thing. He's like, these things need to be absolutely, without question, shut down wholesale. And that's, we've seen a couple clips flying around, and it was edited after I listened to the podcast about his, about JFK getting shot because he wanted to shut down uh, the CIA. That was 
a, a part of it, but it wasn't the full. The video made it sound like it's the only reason he got shot, and it wasn't. Um, but he was very opposed to the three-letter agencies and wanted to wanted to shut them all down because the CIA kept pushing for pushing for various wars, not just the Cuba thing, but pushed for various things going on. And and uh, RFKC was very opposed to that. So Robert Kennedy is also in the camp of let's shut every all this executive branch stuff needs to be shut down. <laughs> and it's like I don't, you know. I um man, there's so many things you can take away from this and we're not we're obviously not a political podcast, but I think we all okay, have so opinion. here's we all have policy opinions based on our worldviews. Opinionated podcast. Yes, but our 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 politics come I know it's only November of twenty twenty three or October twenty twenty three and we haven't got even got to twenty twenty four yet. September of twenty twenty three. But you know, our politics come from our underlying our public policy comes from our underlying worldview and the public policies you want to put in place publicly are where we land on on the politics or where the politics come from so it becomes a you know you're like yeah we should take care of the poor should that be done with a bunch of government subsidies or should it be done with the private institutions like churches and things should we enable people to do that um but then you have sinful people who are selfish and self-indulgent and don't care about anybody else so can you really rely on them and it's just it's just a mess. It's just all a big, it's all a big mess. Um, it, so I don't, you know. Yes, it is all a big mess. Um, I don't have any answers. I mean, I think there are answers though, in the sense of your own, your own framing of policy or what what should be your informed realism about what can be done as well as your ability to take personal action and live with conviction according to what your you believe should be done and also not doing what you believe should not be done insofar as it depends on you yeah i kind of look like as we i just kind of thought this too and maybe this will be helpful for people if they haven't or if they've already figured it all out, I don't know. It's just me talking, talking through. But like, I've always kind of like. There's always those big issues that you always vote on, you know. And it's sim- mm-hmm. there's a parallel to um, there's a parallel to, to like choosing a church. What are like the three, like two or three things I will not budge on theologically? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of gray in there. There's a lot of uh, you know, you've got your core Christian beliefs. You know, these are my core political values that I think we absolutely can't adjust and there's like maybe there's four candidates that fall into that category so then you move down the line okay what close who more closely aligns with all the other like tangent general things that I want to pick um that means you got to pay attention but I don't know you know kind of thinking through like for me anyway when I vote uh structurally like who you know the interesting I tend thing, to vote. I tend to vote for what I believe, not who I believe can get it done. And maybe that's wrong. Yeah, but. yeah. It's it's interesting because that's usually how I have voted too. But uh, the RFK. So so my only big hesitancy about RFK, besides the fact that the Democratic Party has all but admitted that they're gonna uh, do the try same to thing to him as to try well suicide him. I, yeah, maybe try to suicide him. I was gonna say do the same thing to him that they did to Bernie Sanders, which is basically rig the primaries so that Biden has zero competition. Or Newsom, if you're in that camp oh, that Newsom. believes that they're orchestrating things for Newsom to replace 
Biden. Because he's done but, a bang up job in California. Yeah, but somehow people people still like him. I, see, I don't, I don't. I don't get it. Get it. Um, no, but what I was gonna say is is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is full fledged pro abortion up to birth, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, and which is usually a non negotiable for me in voting. Mm-hmm. So it gives me serious pause about him. But I do. I like a lot of other things about him, which is so weird. Like, if you had asked me two, three years ago if I would have seriously considered voting for a Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of things that have changed in my life in the last two to three years. And I th- I would like to think that it makes me a more thoughtful, wise, nuanced person. Uh, I don't know. That probably depends on whom you ask. There are probably a lot of well, people who I, think I've gone yeah. bananas or jumped the shark. But um, I would consider voting for him. But that's why I think it comes back to that comment that I have. Like, you've got your you've got your non-negotiables. Here are things I absolutely will not compromise on. And if the candidate doesn't meet one of those three, then he's automatically off the list. But what I'm saying is abortion has always been one of those right. things for so me. So if that's, that's going to continue to be your thing, then... Um, then you're going to not vote for Kennedy. Right. Which is also why I did not vote for Trump in the first time that he ran, because I was not convinced that I'm still not. I mean, he's he's a fascinating personality, multiple personalities. I don't But, you know, in the first election, I thought he was pandering. He still is pandering to evangelicals, 100%. But um, was not convinced that he wasn't going to be fully pro-abortion in his policies if elected uh but he was not yeah i mean i don't know and i might get i'll probably get flamed from some people for this but i've always it's always kind of been one of my things too but i look at the battle that's that gets waged on that level and rarely if ever is that battle fought on the executive level in terms of abortion um well meaning all of the slip and slide in our culture away from uh, away from a culture of life, a culture of a culture conducive to Christian ethics and Christian morality. I guess I'll also put it that way. Um, the slide has been done on much smaller issues on a much smaller level. I would push back on that. Yes, for sure. The individual who decides they need to seek an abortion because they're having sex outside of marriage, because they don't value life, because they are, you know, whatever, whatever reason. Yes, that's all at the grassroots must be corrected from the ground up teaching family living and experience of what real family is. Uh, President Trump nominated the Supreme Court justices who reversed Roe v. Wade. So that's where the executive has right. a very direct impact yes. on abortion policy. But you kind of have to you kind of have to look at the next four terms. Go okay, are we going to get new justices in? Where are the areas where a particular president will have the most impact, given where the cultural things and other political things are standing at the time? Yeah. So and that's are- where it gets a little bit weird because yeah, what if we don't have? What if we don't? You know, I'm sure somebody could try to come in and, and re re. Uh, reinstitute Roe versus Wade or somebody might come in and try to do something on a big level and suddenly it's left on the president's desk 
But, you know, we could have four years where we don't have any new justices. Yeah. So there's nothing there. So it's like, it's almost like figuring out, like, is that going to be, so that's, that's an issue. I guess what I'm trying to say is if that's an issue, but is it the relevant issue for right. this next four year period? I don't know. And should it be? So should it be something else that are my heels to die on looking at where culture's at and looking where things go? Um, so we are not a politics podcast, as you mentioned earlier, and I no. feel like we're getting out of our, <laughs> out of our competence zone here. <laughs> Can we go back to talking about food? <laughs> or how our kids are driving me crazy? Uh, or... Well, sure, but most of the people in my world like to be to push back on that. Um, the majority of people are normal people like us. Well, and they're thinking that are gonna about be, they're going to be thinking about things processing. like this too and processing. So I'm not like yeah, I would not be political. super curious. Guys, I'm not a political expert. How many of our friends out there listened to slash watched either the Tucker Carlson Trump interview that aired at the same time as the the Republican primaries? If you watched one or the other or both. And I haven't watched either. I've seen sound bites of both, but I just do not have the time or, quite frankly, the interest to invest that much time in either. And uh, I've had some conversations about some of the fallout of it. But, in fact, I will throw this, uh, this out here. I have sent now three people a video shared from Not The Bee, so the Babylon Bee's true news source about, I don't even know how to say his last name, Vivek. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, Rishmawi. Yeah. So I will have JR post this just to throw this out I didn't out even know here. he was a presidential candidate until like two weeks ago. Well... I had no idea who was even running. So, I, except I, Trump, I all the people about Trump is running. I don't really know is anything. He? I don't, he I don't really know running? anything about know. this guy, but this random Asian guy that not to be picked up on uh, is not convinced that he's legit. So I'm just gonna have Jr. share it, and then we're gonna move on from our political discussion because <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we, as you guys know. I've been debating, do we rehash the last month of our lives, or do we just pick up from where well, we are? Well, no, we've, we've been gone, oh yeah, because I was gone for two, man, when was the last show? So it, we haven't had a show a while I was time. on tour. No. Oh man, So anyway, guys, as, as you guys I'm sorry. may remember, JR was with a band in Idaho when it was time for the other five of us to go to northwestern Montana for our camping trip where we were meeting his brother and his family to camp at Flathead Lake and then we were going to visit Pete and Kim for a few days after that over Labor Day weekend and um, which by the way if we're in your neck of the woods please invite us to hang out with you <laughs> we're not going far from Molly's home favorite thing soon. is to hang out with total strangers for extended periods of time I'm kidding uh, I mean, I do have some social anxiety leaving my house, which is evidenced, I've discovered, by the state of landscaping in the front of my house versus the back, because <laughs> I take care of what I see, and I don't see the front of my house very we much. We just talked about that tonight, too. That's funny. Uh, also, another piece of evidence of this, I was driving down the King Avenue, which is one of the main, it's the one that Home Depot and Lowe's and Office Depot and Walmart and... Costco are on in our town 
I do not drive past Costco on that road, even though it's one of the main ways to get on Interstate 90. And I had to go do an errand that took me, and there's like three new restaurants just on the other side of Costco. <laughs> I was like, when did that go in? Wow, I, I do not get out much. <laughs> and I'm actually mostly okay with that. Um, anyway, so it was up to me and Titus, basically, to pack the van with 10 days worth of food and all of the bicycles and gear and all the things. We had a couple of hiccups, one of which was a dashboard light came on in the van. I drove it for that week because Jared had my Subaru, which is my normal in-town driver. Dashboard light came on in the van. I googled it and it was a coolant issue and JR's dad very graciously helped. I didn't even know how to open the hood of the van, let alone what to do Just once, like any car. once it was open. Right and so anyway, so that was a little bit of a hiccup and we drove with the extra coolant because not knowing if it was a leak or what was going on and by the time we handled it, we didn't have time to try to get into the shop to get it looked at, but that was fine. Titus, Titus, he's 12, and he assumed a lot of responsibility for, I would say, for a modern 12-year-old. I don't think it would have been considered a lot of responsibility in the days of, like, like the Laura Ingalls Wilder. You know, I think about 12-year-old Almanzo, and he probably was handling a lot more than... Right. 12 year old Titus but for a modern 12 year old he literally did everything packing the van related that wasn't food or immediate care of his youngest sister and there were a couple of times where I had to tell him because I could see it weighing him down I had to tell him you you are stepping up very, very admirably. Like, I would say he leveled up as a human being this summer, just in terms of shouldering responsibility, working hard, getting up in the morning. He actually, to 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 give you an example of this, he knows from just living with me for 12 and a half years now that I struggle in the mornings. And so when we have a family ski day, JR gets up in the morning and he makes everybody breakfast and I stumble around and I manage myself and I manage the youngest person of the household and I I get lunch ready if I haven't finished getting lunch ready the night before but but dad makes breakfast for us on early mornings and is the one who really gets the family out of the house so Titus was like I'm gonna make breakfast on Sunday morning before we start driving and I, I was like Okay, so he he sat down and he planned out what he was going to have for breakfast or what he was going to make everybody for breakfast, which I ended up nixing, not because I didn't think he wouldn't actually accomplish it, because he, not only did he do that, but he got us all up on Sunday morning and had us run a mile before we <laughs> got in the van and drove for eight hours because it just seemed like we should move our bodies before we sat for that long. Yeah. And his logic seems sound enough that none of the girls argued with him and we all went for our mile run except for Faith on she did her bike before we departed. Anyway, 
So he, I mean, he legit, he was going to make omelets for everybody, make eggs and stuff. And I was at Natural Grocers two days before and they had organic Pop-Tarts on sale. And I was like, we're having Pop-Tarts and hard-boiled eggs for breakfast. That way there's zero dishes to do. Oh, and he was going to like do all the dishes in addition to that. He probably would have gotten up and made me my coffee in the morning if he knew how. Anyway, some of it, like some of the bikes were had flat tires and he was just really stressed because that was beyond his pay grade and so he and I was like listen you don't have to be take on responsibility beyond your capacity if your dad thinks that these bikes need to be good to go there's a bike shop in in Whitefish that we've been to before get the bikes on that your job is to get the bikes on the van and get them to Kalispell. Yeah, he texted me and I just told him, I was like, just air them up. And if we get there and they need to be aired up, I got a pump in the van. Nobody yeah, there. but he, that, that was, I think he needed someone looking him in the eye. And I, I say this in a good way, putting him back in the, his place. In the sense of you are, you're trying to fill all of your dad's shoes right now. And we've asked you to execute this function right. of who your dad is, not be as capable as a grown man is in your 12 year old capacity. Yeah. But he did a really amazing job of that. And he, he let down his guard for the drive to, from Billings up to Kalispell. I was pretty uptight because driving that van is not a comfortable thing for me. It's so big. And you haven't done it enough. Yeah. Do a bunch well, of, you get used to it. Yeah. I mean, you get a gust of wind and you're like, slow down. Going to all over the, I mean, I yeah, know, yeah, I drove, but yeah, six, seriously. I drove 60, 65. The thing is like driving a, like a kite. A yeah. Box. It's a yeah. giant box. <laughs> it is. It's like driving, it feels like driving a sailboat and you get passed by a semi <laughs> right? and you're, you're getting thrown all over. And anyway, so I, I, took us a long time to get there because i was not comfortable driving the speed limit <laughs> it was significantly which i know you also drive under the speed limit i always drive feel well under the speed limit that but we got there we got all set up we had a uh an event uneventful first night without jr and uh and then we had a great <coughs> couple of days not a couple of days yeah great week camping and um it was a lot of fun yeah yeah and i was as i said mentioned i was um front of house engineer for a a smaller texas artist um texas country rock artist and we did a bunch of different stops in idaho and um it was great i mean and the reason i say it was great is because um as a guy, as a man, as somebody who, you know, we're kind of wired to want to excel at what we do and, and we want to be able to do a good job at what we do. And you know when you're in, you know when you're doing what you're really good at. Like, you just know when you're there, you're in that place. And um, it's not just on the road. I mean, I did a, right before I left, I mixed a a track for a local rock band and he was over the moon with it and I was able to get it to a place that you know three other engineers weren't able to get it to so it's fun when you're just like you're doing what you're good at and it 
it shows, it matters, people say. And so that was a good time. It wasn't without a few hiccups here and there, but I don't, you know, I don't need to go into those. Um, but it was, uh, it was overall a great experience um, and a great show. And I hope to get on, I know, and I am getting on the road. I do have a um, July, there's no, no dates are defined yet, but I'm thinking there's going to be two or three weeks in July where I'm going to be out with one of my favorite bands of all time. If you guys haven't, they're totally goofy, super fun. Um, but if you guys are into sort of an indie alternative country, there is a band in Helena called Ty Walker and the Humanoids. And the premise is that the fictional character, Ty Walker, got abducted outside of a bar in 1970 in Roscoe, Montana, by a failing group of aliens that have a country western band and they weren't doing well so they needed a human to help them write music and so they've got a whole kind of fun almost theatrical sort of thing going on storylines and all that stuff but great group of guys a lot of young single guys the lead the lead singer ryan has um three three young kids he and his wife currently live in bali which is kind of neat they, they bought a house back there uh the house down there right before covid and COVID hit and they're like, man, do we stay here? Do we go back to be with our parents not knowing what's going on? And they came back here and they hadn't been back since they've been renting it. So they went back and it sounds like they're going to set up the shop there full time, which is pretty neat. But I'll be going out with them in July. So looking forward to that. Hoping I'd really like to get um, out on the road for a couple of weeks in the January, February time frame. But it's kind of the slow season for everybody. So we'll see. Otherwise, I'm really looking forward to writing some music this winter. Um... Which would be great, um, but that's what I was up to for three weeks, being band dad to three young three young guys. Yes, <clears throat> I saw Grand Teton, took him to Grand Teton, wandered around West Yellowstone with him, or Yellowstone National Park and Grand Teton National Park. And one of the kids had never, one of the guys had never seen the mountains that close. Like we get up in the morning, he's like, oh, I just can't get over these mountains. I've never seen been so close to mountains before. I'm like, you're kidding me. I was like, we're driving into those mountains today. We have time. We're gonna go do this. <laughs> so. It was fun. Um, you should find a a Ty Walker song and share a link so people oh, don't have to dig them yeah. up. I also am going to send you uh, a couple of songs that I have been really digging lately. One is usually Jr. is the is the Jess Ray fan between us, but I have been really digging. So I, with our school, the first year supposed to do a hymn every other week, and we learn the story of the hymn. And this our opening one was "What a Friend We Have in Jesus," which has a kind of cool story behind it. He wrote the this guy wrote the song. As he just wrote it as a poem and mailed it to his mom and she loved it so much she shared it around and it got set to music and it was this very popular hymn in England and he was in Canada and it took years before it became a not anonymous thing. Some random person was looking through some of his personal writings and was like, you wrote this? And he didn't realize that it was a had been set to music and was a popular song, but he he wrote it Uh, Not only for his mom, who was in the midst of a lot of suffering, but also in the wake of the death of his fiance. I think the day before they got married. 
she drowned. And so a lot of grief and suffering goes into uh, him proclaiming what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. But so I'm looking for, because I don't play anything, I'm looking for a good uh, version of it. And I found one from the Worship Initiative, which is a Shane and Shane thing, but they pull in other artists. And then I came across their Sunday set list series and the first one on their Sunday set list for is Jess Ray singing a song called Ancient Gates and it's great I really like it and then the second song is called The Lord's Prayer and it also is great we have gotten back into the habit and I say that with emphasis for a reason that we we'll get to in a minute. That. Yeah, we can talk about that too. Uh, we, we've, about a year ago, tried to create the habit of praying the Lord's Prayer with our family uh, after after we do our evening prayers as a family and have been getting back into that. And so the, the Lord's Prayer song I've been particularly enjoying listening to because I think it's a great song and because the Lord's Prayer has been on my mind. So I will send JR both of those, but if you, wherever you listen to your music, I would encourage you to snay, to look up the, the Worship Initiative Sunday Set List, especially Sunday Set List 4. And also, uh, because I can, and we talked about Jess Ray, I'm going to include a band, uh, SoundCloud link to the track that I remixed for her summer competition. Uh, that's up on SoundCloud right now. I plan to release it on the major platforms. I have not gotten around to it yet. So um, I haven't had any time in the studio. So there's that's, there's that. But, there's that. Okay. We don't really um, have time for much of anything. Uh, no. So probably the last thing we should talk about before we go to bed is when I said a habit like that, it was because on the way to Flathead and then about a third of the way back, I finished the book Atomic Habits. I is his name James Clear? The James Clear. Of it? And I had actually heard of the book last year, last summer. It, we visited a church in Bozeman, and the sermon was about this pastor preaches on the Lord's Prayer every summer that's it's a habit that he's created for like 15 years now he preaches a sermon on the Lord's Prayer in the summer and this particular sermon he had chosen to preach from the angle of the book Atomic Habits which is the idea behind it is you do little things that add up over the accumulation of little things as well as over time into making a big difference hence atomic in your life and so, in this instance, the pastor was making the case that praying the Lord's Prayer regularly would be an atomic habit in terms of the, I, I guess maybe the best way to say it would be the quantity and the quality of your prayer life. Man, I forgot about that sermon. And so, I actually, I re-listened to the sermon after I finished the book, except it got weird at the end because it seemed like they'd overlaid the audio with something else. And so there were two people talking about different things at once. I didn't have that problem. When you re-listened to the, not the book, the sermon. Oh, no, I didn't listen to the sermon. 
Yeah. I, I re-listened to the Oops. sermon on the church's website after I finished it up, which it. I can send you the link to that too on Apple, Apple Podcasts. But uh, anyway, so Atomic Habits actually turned out to be a, it was kind of an impulse purchase. What am I going to do on the way to the, on the way to the flathead? And it turned into being super thought provoking enough that I encouraged JR to listen to it. And he listened to it in its entirety while driving. <laughs> this betrays our I so our our, our value structure. Yeah. Right? So you know we have our phrase "people are weird and hard," and this is a really seems like a really weird thing to do. But we had to. Um, we didn't have to. Molly got kind of worried about some things she was reading on the internet and said, "When can we make another run up to uh, Fort Benton, Montana, which is a three and a half hour drive from here?" One way to one way to Montana flowers and grains, Montana flower and grains, to pick up um, some organic, non-GMO wheat. It's uh, the grain. Product. It's the best price I've found, even including a day of Jr.'s time driving, and the gas in the Subaru, which was <clears throat> what a tank of gas. Forty bucks. Yeah, um, but for for bulk grain. Okay. It's, it was what less than thirty dollars for a fifty pound bag. I, I didn't pay for it. I just picked it up. Yeah. Well, you did pay for it. You just didn't yeah, do it in it was an all itemized one. way. Yeah, it was just yeah. all. Yeah. Anyway, one it it when you go there and you're not paying for shipping, you it's it's less than thirty dollars for a bag of organic wheat, and then they also sell some other things like spell and camut, which is an ancient grain. Uh, Uncle Vernon uh, has a friend who cultivates organic camut here in Montana, and we're probably. I think it's up. Yeah, it's up I, there. He's closer to Big Fork, so he's closer to the Flathead Valley. Oh. But I suspect there aren't too many organic camut farmers. Yeah. In northern Montana, so we could very well have purchased his grain. They they aggregate it. They don't actually grow it, as far as I know. This Montana flowers and grains, but anyway, yes. So, so, so we're going. Uh, so, I took this photo of me driving back with in, in the back of the Subaru full of grain, and I'm like, hey, just so you know, here's like, here's us being really weird in terms of life values. We're gonna drive, and I think what sparked the, the thought was like, so many people just don't have any concept of going. Like, I talk to people all the time that don't live in uh, a pretty rural area or something really uh, sparsely populated like Montana. The idea of driving two or three hours somewhere or or going or going 300 miles somewhere because it I mean let's be honest if you wanted to leave downtown Chicago and drive 300 miles it's gonna be a five-hour trip it's gonna take you two hours just to get out of the city yeah you know it's just completely mind-blowing well, here downtown we are Chicago you don't have the space yeah. to store right but here we are going pounds of grain and here we you are don't going, have the capacity you don't I'm have the time an, capacity I'm taking to an entire day six hours of our lives to go basically on a big grain grocery run at this point. And I wanna I wanna pause here for a minute. I feel like we should pause and have you read the long winter and when Almanzo and his brother took the long sleigh ride in search of grain to keep the entire town alive for the rest of the winter because they were running out of food. <laughs> yeah, so those are some weird life values. But I, I do wanna before we get back to atomic habits, um 
there was this really cool moment where the town Fort Benton is this really weird little town. I'm neat little town. Weird isn't good. Not weird isn't bad. Um, I'm driving. If, if you're driving to Fort Benton from our direction, which is southeast, um, and you're, you're headed northwest, and you, you just see nothing. And I'm looking at my. I've never been there. I'm looking at my map, going, "We're. I'm five minutes away. Like I'm. I'm. It should be right." here like i'm five minutes away i don't see anything but flatness there's no buildings there's no towns there's no nothing and then i start dropping into this little canyon and as i drop into the little canyon um i don't i shouldn't even know what river it is the muscle shell i don't know that is not Um, my part of the country anyway i drop in there's a gorgeous river green trees down in between these it's like a you're in the bottom of a really kind of a it's not a big can it's not a canyon it's a smaller anyway it's just a cut where the river is and it's all flat on one side and the town is is built up on the other side of this river you go over this beautiful bridge there's trees beautiful green trees lining the entire edge of the river and then there's the main street of fort benton and all these really beautiful older buildings from you know early turn of the century, turn of the 19th century, or turn of the 20th century America, kind of placed up there. One of those places was a little coffee shop, and I was like, I need to swing in there and grab some coffee on my way out of town. And I did, and I met a guy, and this is another music referral, and the guy and I started chatting. Uh, I ordered a double espresso, and he's like, what, uh, can I ask you about your shirt? And I was wearing a, a shirt from an artist called Jalon Crossland. He's from Ten Sleep, Wyoming. And the shirt has a, has a Native American, a Native American, a headdress over a skull, right? So people are, you know, I was, I was interested in that. And I was like, oh, I told him about the artist. He's like, well, that's cool. I'm a musician too. And I'm like, that's cool. What? And so we talked about music things, talked about stuff going on, told him what I did. And I said, well, what's the name of your group? He's like, we call ourselves the Lucky Valentines. And uh, I made a mention that somewhere in the conversation that I had four kids. And he's like, oh, I've got four kids too. And the Lucky Valentines are he and his wife. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm going to download the record. Uh, I got a lot of off internet, you know, no off grid driving. So I downloaded the record and I was like, I'm going to listen to the record straight through, or at least I'm going to start listening to the record, see if it's any good. And I'll listen straight through. Oh man, was it a delightful record? I was not Mm. prepared for the level of fantastic (laughs) from a guy in a 1500 person town, Fort Benton, Montana has a phenomenal record i guess he and his wife flew out to new york and, to record it? and recorded did the whole thing out in new oh, york so they don't need your services they've got it they've got a video uh, of them doing like a rooftop bar or something like that i wasn't pitching my services oh, he's no. like he, he didn't say he's like well man man we can yeah send me a message we'll keep in touch maybe i need a front of house engineer sometime and i was like yeah if you need something mixed you know whatever um but the record's fantastic and i'll refer the record to you guys um it's uh the Lucky Valentines. I'll link it into um, in the show notes as well. So, so it, by the way, the river that you went over was the Missouri River, yeah, which is what Lewis and Clark came up and went through. It, a little bit upriver from that is Great Falls, where they were delayed for two months portaging around the Great Falls, part of which no longer exists. But I will let me just read you this. I googled it. The Missouri in seven in 1976, Congress designated 149 miles downstream of Fort Benton as a national wild and scenic river, promising unspoiled and unobstructed waterway wilderness to the Upper Missouri's natural beauty. 
But uh, and then a little bit downriver from Fort Benton is Maria's River, which is where the 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 Indians that they had stayed with outside of Bismarck, which did not exist then, but modern day Bismarck, where they spent their winter, had told them all the landmarks, and they were like, and then the river will split here, and you need to go here, and they 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 had they explored way up Maria's River because they couldn't decide which one to go in and I can't remember the exact story now but they they ended up putting it up to a vote for the men and all the men thought they should stay on what ended up being the river they wanted to go on and or what they needed to do the actual Missouri but they wasted quite a bit of time scouting Maria's River thinking that that's because one of the I can't remember if it was Lewis or Clark had this gut instinct that they needed to go up the northern one when in fact they needed to stay on the southern one that's that's a super random sideline it is a super sorry this is homeschool mom who made my kids do a deep dive into lewis and clark in the spring after we'd done our deep dive into american history the revolution in the fall anyway so atomic habits so jared listened to atomic habits we're sort of bumping into almost the one hour mark and also my bedtime so I will, maybe we'll continue this next week, but, and then if we get feedback from people, if you've listened to it, what you liked from it, we can incorporate that between now and next week. It's a short book. So, it's a five and a half hour book. I yeah. Think. So in terms of listen, an audio book, it's really accessible. It's like less than two of Joe Rogan's podcasts. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I, I think it was chapter two. The, the problem with an audio book is that you can't go back and reference things. But one of the foundational premises that he dives into in terms of habit formation that was very thought-provoking to me was that that habits don't create who you are. Habits have to flow out of who you are. And so he, for example, says... Well, this, this would be the way that I was kind of internalizing it in a really kind of silly, trivial way. But when you're trying to create a habit of exercise, you don't say, I'm an overweight person who is trying to run every day. You say, I'm the type of person who, who runs every day. Or, I mean, this is, I jokingly told a couple of friends this when I started forcing the kids to run in the mornings in what the third week of July I you know friends with a couple friends texted how you doing I was like well I'm a runner now run for two mornings forcing my son and I'm his personal (laughs) trainer I'm a runner and I was saying that facetiously but the but the way that he frames habit creation is a habit flows from a sense of identity, a sense of who you are. And he then later in the book fleshes that out in terms of if your life circumstances change. For example, somebody who's in the military has this huge loss of identity when they leave the military or someone who has built a business from scratch and then sells it has this huge loss of identity and he says in order to keep moving forward in life 
with the same habits that helped you to be successful in the military or helped you to be successful as an entrepreneur, you have to create, you have to shift your identity from I am a military person or I am, I'm, I built this specific business to I'm the type of person who, you know, and then key in on things that made you thrive in the military. I'm the type of person who is disciplined. I'm the type of person who is a good team player. I'm the type of person who who is good at critical, you know, thinking under pressure. I'm the type of person who is reliable under pressure. Like that sort of thing. So go into your actual who you are, not what you do. And then when you build that sense of identity, new habits in this new phase of life can flow out of that. What really resonated with me besides just the I'm a runner thing, which kind of cracked me up because (laughs) I don't think of myself as a runner at all. You're totally a runner. But uh, no, I mean, I'm the type of person who will do things that I find physically unpleasant for the sake of my children <laughs> and for my children's well-being. Because here's here's an actual... That'll apply to all sorts of things later. It does. That, that actually, uh, there's a statistic that the physical fitness of children is directly correlated to the physical, physical fitness of their moms. And so if they, if dad is physically active with kids... Uh, but mom is not, the kids will... Which is our normal, which was our normal. I mean, I ski with them, but I don't do... And I, I do You don't things. do judo, you don't really work out, you don't run, yeah. you don't bike. And I so, do all those things. Right, so JR takes the kids out and... <laughs> well, you're a runner now, so... That's, that's I'm a it. runner now. So I... But, but part of the thing is, they're doing these things because JR is incorporating them into his things that he loves. So... I've never been a mountain biker. I'm not going to be a mountain biker as far as I can predict. I should never say never, right? I don't enjoy pedaling uphill. I have not bought you an e-bike yet. <laughs> when I purchase you an e-bike, you'll be like, oh, this is enjoyable. I, I am the type of person who will go uphill with motorized assistance. <laughs> That's the identity. The habit can flow I, from that. I will. I'll, I'm the type of person who exercises when it requires, or who does various activities when they require a little input from me. No, no, no. Easy? That's no, not easy. I am the type of person who does not go uphill without motorized assistance. Right. So that applies to skiing. Like I I don't skin uphills. All these people who hike oh. to the top of Red Lodge Mountain to ski down at once. No, 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 people, that's what chairlifts were made for. <laughs> I'm the type of person who will encourage so much I am the type of person who will encourage my husband to be a ski patroller so my family can get that motorized assistance to the top of the hill for free. <laughs> Uh, no, um, where are we going with this? Okay, so, so physical fitness. I, that fact came to my attention around the same time that I started identifying as a runner. (laughs) But, so, but aside from that, identity creating habits is so biblical. It's so consistent. You think about the book of Proverbs and so many of us, as parents or as mentors or just as Bible teachers say, do this, do what the, do what the dad teaching his son in Proverbs does, you know, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man, no, that's, that's Benjamin Franklin, that's not 
the prop <laughs> but same same you know i mean that's you know very american of me to confuse ben franklin did you do that on purpose no i, I thought you did it on purpose <laughs> but you know so that sort of thing oh. the um you know whatever you read in proverbs that's essentially a description of habits and we tend to read the book of proverbs saying do these habits and you will be wise but the fact of the matter is, Proverbs fits within the whole of the Bible, which is premised on who God is and God calling a people to himself and then shaping them according to his character. And his character is holy. And so then he tells us, be holy as I am holy. And then live according to that holiness, one facet of which is wisdom. And so I think that we should switch around how we read it, the book of Proverbs according to this mindset that James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits, which is, I am a wise person, therefore, or I, I desire to be a wise person. I desire to be a person after God's own heart who lives in wisdom. Which, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I think that's Proverbs 23, 23. So, so we, do, we are the type of people who are living in the fear of the Lord and who are raising our children in the fear of the Lord. Therefore, we practice these habits. So that, do you see that shift? Oh, yeah. Which is yeah, not, sure. I do these things, therefore... I'm a wise person, mm-hmm. or I'm a person who pleases God, or I'm a moral person, or whatever you think you're accomplishing in living according to the do these of the Bible. And I would expand those, obviously, hopefully you guys are already doing this in your brain, not just from wisdom literature and the book of Proverbs, but all the do these in the New Testament, the the things to do, the pray without ceasing, the you know, the one another's that God calls us to in Scripture, and this again, I'm now getting into what's hopefully very familiar territory for all of you because this is the classic CCEF root fruit thing. What you do flows from who you are. And so the change has to take place. And, you know, Clear would say, create your identity. Obviously, we don't create our own identity. We are children of God because the Spirit of God has awakened our hearts and called us to himself. And then the change that we experience flows from that. But all of these little habits are shaping our life and molding our molding us, so say molding our behavior, but our behavior actually molds our who we are. Those are shaping us in a Godward direction because we have already been oriented in that Godward direction at a very fundamental heart level. So that was not something I was expecting to get out of the book Atomic Habits, but that was my first key takeaway from it, which was the identity whether it's I'm a runner or whether it's I'm a child of God who aspires to live accordingly, your habits flow from your identity, not yeah. vice versa. And since we probably won't get back to it in the next episode, just because that's the way we are, um, <laughs> I was really intrigued from um, somebody who 
uh, has struggled with pornography in the past, for instance, he talked a lot about cues, those those things that cause habits to happen, um, and also the the idea behind just simple self determination and um, and just relying on your own, just on brute strength to not do a bad habit when that cue is triggered. And you're saying um, you brute strength doesn't it, cut it. No, brute strength won't cut it at all. You can't you can't defeat a bad habit just by saying no to it. And you know, every all growing up, you know, when it comes you know, the church is very keen on on kind of telling you at least it was when I was growing up, just telling you just don't do it. Just don't do it. Like don't sin. Just don't sin. You know, it's like you know, as a hormonal youth, it was like, I want to make out with girls. I want to do all the, you know, I want to, it was, it didn't, you couldn't, you always failed and then felt guilty, right? Well, there's, there's so much more neurologically now that's going on that we understand in terms of brain function and how God designed everything to work that, um, it really made me ponder, uh, approaches to, um, and he uses the word temptation in the book a lot. Like, and now he's not talking about sexual temptation. He's talking about the temptation to overeat or the temptation to do X. Scroll you know, on your phone. Scroll on your phone or, or whatever those things. Or just not do the thing that you've set out to do. Yeah, exactly. So when you're dealing with those temptations, there's almost always cue points. And I remember in one counseling session, um, no, it wasn't a counseling session. What was it? It was a conversation with my pastor, maybe about a counseling session. It was, we were talking about something. And he mentioned that, um, you know, what are the circumstances surrounding those moments where you fail? Like those moments where, like, what what precedes the sin, for instance? You know, Mm -hmm. what leads up to it? And if you look at your environment, and, you know, clear in the book Atomic Habits has like an entire chapter on just environment and how critical environment is for you to set up or remove set up good habits or remove bad habits and how cues are a part of that so things will happen and you'll be cued to go oh when this cue hits then that response in me says oh i'm going to get this response if i do x and uh and there's so much more we understand now that i I feel like we can do a lot better um at least i was thinking about like even just training you know talking to our kids about we're setting up things for them to help uh, uh, to help uh, drive good outcomes. You know, setting up setting up environments to create good cues for good things instead of bad cues for bad things. You know, and going back to the temptation thing, it's like, well, when I sin, these two things generally lead up. You know, precede my sin. Okay, mm-hmm. well, there's probably there's probably some environment involved there. There's probably there's definitely going to be some environment involved there. There's probably definitely going to be uh, a few other things that might end up contributing to that. So, it was just it was really I was really that really provided me with a lot of thought in terms of like, you know, thinking through with even my kids what kind of habits or environmental things or um, cues can we set up now that will pr- prompt good behavior. And then you know you can even extrapolate that a little bit back to Proverbs too. It's like well, when we do this. This happens and this is good, mm-hmm. you know, but he spends a lot of time clear spends a lot of time as well talking about, you know, a lot of the 
the the good things are your you're reaping those rewards later in life than like retirement is it is it hard now to put away five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars every month into a savings or retirement account or whatever because it's like well well i can get instant gratification if i just spend that money here and now but years down the road it's like oh now it's all compounded. So but he you... also, what's interesting though in that is, do you remember what his four things about a, a habit that sticks are? Uh, that I'm going to see if I can remember them. It's been almost a week now. The, it was make it obvious, make it easy, oh, yeah. make it something, and then make it satisfying. Fun? No, it was not fun. <laughs> uh but so, so for example, make it obvious when you... Um, I'll look it up while you talk. If you, his first one, and then he, so he kind of introduces all this and then he unpacks it chapter by chapter for the last bit of the book. And this is true for both uh, breaking bad habits as well as building good habits. But make it obvious would be if I'm trying to build the habit of running in the morning, uh, the I need to have my running shoes somewhere where I'm going to trip over them in the morning. And then make it easy would be, again, thinking about the, the running habit, I need to build it into a time of my day where I'm not, like, for example, I've never been a going to the gym person. And it like listening to this book helped me understand why because it's not easy yeah you have to actually get in your car especially as you know now as a homeschooling mom of four i would have to find a time in my day i i could leave the kids home alone now but this is really the first year that i feel comfortable doing that so i would have to have child care i would have to get dressed in different in workout clothes i would have to go somewhere else and then I would have, you know, so in that I would have to find a way to continue the school day and not lose that time if it's during then or accommodate during a meal. Like, so all of the things, it's not easy. So make it easy. Now, the habit of running is easy because everybody goes with me. I mean, that is not always easy yeah. if a kid is grumpy or her bike's not working right or whatever, but it you know, the point is, I'm not trying to figure out what do I do with the one kid who can't participate. All the kids can participate now. It makes it easier. And then, have you found what yes. number three is? Um, make it, I'll go through the four. Make it obvious, which is the cue. That's your cue. Make it obvious, an obvious cue. Craving, make it attractive. Attractive, that's what it was. And then your response, make, make it, it easy. Oh, easy. Oh, easy. And then your reward make it satisfying. So there's a cue, there's a craving, there's a response, and then there is a reward. And he talks, it was interesting because he talks about some of the dopamine uh, mice experiments. Yeah. Some of the same ones that Mark Dude, Shasker yeah, talks about. Yeah, overlap, totally overlapped end of craving I with Mark Shasker. I never expected like, this yes. book to overlap with Mark Shasker at all. But so one of the really interesting things that he talks about is, is dopamine is super high at the craving phase for a person and uh, not really active after, you know, so, so 
somebody, when you think about potato chips or something that you have a craving for and your mouth starts watering and you get really excited about the crunch and, you know, this is Mark Schatzker talking about potato chips, dopamine is super high when you're anticipating getting the potato chips. Yeah. Uh, it, there's no, there's virtually no dopamine going on when you're actually eating the potato chips. And so that the, the mismatch for the brain and the experience there is that you're not getting satisfaction. That's why sometimes I think it's more fun to window shop for stuff all day. Cause you get kind of a dopamine high, like I'm a, you know, I could buy this or whatever, but you know, when you buy it, you totally lose that high. Which You're like, is, well, now I have it, but, you know. Which is also why uh, Clear talks about scrolling Instagram or social media mm-hmm. nonstop. There's dopamine in the anticipation, but you don't get a chemical release of satisfaction after you spend all that time. So he said, you can sit down and think you're relaxing, and I was super convicted by this, and actually on our way up to the flathead deleted Instagram off of my phone and we'll see if I have the discipline to do this but uh, it is not on my phone's home screen so I have to access it through the apps store but I'm intending other than Sola Gratioco's Meme Monday which she releases a series of memes Mm -hmm. on her stories on Monday evenings I'm not going to do Instagram during the week because same I like I actually put on on my profiles like I'm on very limited times and I told a couple of my meme swapper buddies like I'm out like until like weekends yeah so So weekends and it's fun to exchange them with people and whatnot but but he very specifically says you have this habit where you've got the cue you pick up your phone you get the craving which is the dopamine starts pumping like I'm gonna get something out of doing this and it's easy. You're just there scrolling, but it's not satisfying. So you keep doing mm-hmm. it over and over. And he said, "You studies have shown you actually do not come away in a state of refreshment or relaxation after having just scrolled." For oh, I can feel it when I yeah. when I scroll for a while. Like there's moments where I've been, even when I'm at work, because I'm on work. I work on a computer screen, and I don't. My work is generally not on social media. Like when I do this show. I'll be posting some things to social media. But if I've been on a computer screen all day, the last thing I want to do is get on a phone or a device and be like, no, I just need to stare outside for a minute. <laughs> I'll just go like, oh, because my brain will be really like, I'll get jittery. I can't focus on things. I kind of pace around the house. It's just, it's bad. Yeah. I did. I came away. I feel like I actually should re-listen to the book after having processed some of this stuff to have some more tangible things. Because while I was driving... So, you guys, JR met us in the flathead in the Subaru, and I had driven the van up. And then when we left on Labor Day morning, I was going to drive the Subaru. JR's driving the van. We're back in our comfort zones. And this is the first time, I think, since seminary that I had driven more than a couple hours by myself. Uh, <laughs> and And all of the kids were worried about, they have this very orchestrated thing that I don't understand in terms of device swapping so they have two switches and some the remaining Kindle fires that my parents bought them several years ago several of them have died and several of them still work and uh, 
Anyway, so they had this whole thing worked out. I think one of them, Titus, had some games on his phone. Anyway, like, they're all concerned about missing out on screen time. So they all wanted to ride in the van together. And Elise was so, so concerned. Are you sure you're going to be okay, Mom? And then she convinced Faith that I was going to be lonely, so Faith should ride with me. <laughs> and you're like, absolutely not. And, and Faith was then concerned about my well-being by myself, but really didn't want to give up the screen time rotation going on in the van. And I assured them with a straight face that while I greatly appreciated their concern, I would make do in the Subaru as best as I could by myself for eight hours of driving by myself, (laughs) which if you're a mom of four... Who are the ages of ours? You understand how hard it probably Molly's was. exuberant response was pretty much. Uh, no, I just assured them that yes. I would be okay. Yeah, just a single single fist pump. Uh, yes. Yeah, and so very Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyway, uh, I was jotting some notes down uh, on a scrap of paper while I was driving about ways that I would like to sharpen my life, refine. My life. I also listened to a podcast from that Kim in Kalispell had recommended from the Model Health Show about time management entering the new school year, which I can also share the link to. I feel like I listened to that one too. You you did. I sent it to you. The yeah. Model Health Show one. It was wasn't. Three, it wasn't three different guys. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as impactful as James Clear's book, but I I thought it had some helpful. Oh, it had some great in stuff. It. Uh, I'll I'll have to dig it up for you later because I'm having trouble talking and searching so at the same time. So basically, guys, what we're trying to say is Atomic Habits is a very good book for you to read if you want to uh, apply principles to your life for better Christian living. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'll send... We'll include a... We'll include a... Uh, uh, an Amazon referral link for that one. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think... It's very thought provoking. It was it was an unexpectedly valuable way to use my time, especially providentially at the beginning of the school year, where you're just kind of like the new year. You're thinking about new habits, and um, I'm, I think it's a great book. This is the first time that I am actually actively educating four children and doing three different things because Titus now being in seventh grade has a handful of things that he's doing on his own hopefully more and more independently but right now as we're just getting started it's requiring a lot of my time and then Lily and Elise are essentially doing the same thing but Elise is not a proficient enough reader to do all the things by herself and then Faith is in kindergarten and while I don't do a ton in kindergarten she's a very enthusiastic student right now which causes a lot of disruption in the day. And also, kindergarten is my my bare minimum for kindergarten is teaching them to read. And so we're doing reading lessons. And anyway, uh, and I've got, as Jared mentioned at the beginning, I came home to a pile of zucchini that was up to my thighs, literally. And I'm trying to be a good steward of the abundance as well as, uh, I think, Probably 80 pounds of apples that had fallen off of our tree in a windstorm. There's still some on the tree that we have not gotten out, but I'm working my, again, trying to preserve through dehydrating and applesauce making 
as many as I can just to be a good steward, as well as tomatoes. I've made about two gallons of uh, marinara sauce that I've canned. Actually, two gallons and one pint is what it came out to be. Uh, but I've got a ton more to do. And so trying to balance all of those things and be a good steward of my time is, uh, you know, I... I'll tell you what, knowing how knowing how much work it's been this particular harvest season has been, and I think it's going to be... The garden is a lot bigger, for one. Um, the rain early in the spring, we had just record amounts of rain, and it really, really helped lots of things do really well. Um, like, it's going to change how I look at next fall and be like, okay, we need to block out, like, August and September. And, like, we just don't do anything. We don't go anywhere. Like, it's going to be... Because you're going to be, like, you want to get stuff done before it's canning, and there's just... There's a lot of work to do. And, you know, it's not like... We have one dehydrator, so it's like, and one canner, so it's not really like a multi-person job, but it's just, it's a lot of work. I was just, I was contemplating that the other day. I was like, I was telling somebody, I was like, this is going to change given how much effort it's, it's been like to harvest and do all the things like, it's going to change how we like approach our fall activities, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Probably somewhat. I, the apple thing is a little unique. Because you did go to a friend's house and just collect Two wind. different yeah. friends. We went to both of whom listened to mm-hmm. our podcast. So thank you, all of you who have given so generously of apples to us. But both of them had never had apple harvests like this before. Like the branches were breaking on their trees. So something unique about the weather in Billings this summer uh, made... I mean, we've we've gotten... 10 times more apples than we've ever gotten out of that tree before. And that tree does produce pretty well, but this is... It does, but the wasps always eat it. And the wasps, I mean, we threw away into the compost pile as many apples as we saved. The wasps had gotten to them. Mm -hmm. And we would... It was kind of satisfying. You'd find an apple that had a wasp, and they're so obsessed with eating the wasp or the apple, they don't even realize that you're coming out with a stick, and you can just mash, like, three or four wasps in one (laughs) hole in the apple at the same time. You guys, I passionately hate wasps, and I have a habit when we eat outside, I will sit out with a fly swatter, and I I will swat wasps out of the air. And then smash them and then keep them in a little pile (laughs) as a body count over the course of our meal. And I find it so satisfying to just knock them out of the air as they're harassing us. And so to kill wasps while they're in the apples. That's one of those new heavens, new earth questions, burning questions that I have for the Lord. I'm sure that will fade away when I'm overcome with his glory and worship. But I'm, it's not going to leave. Like, like a thousand, ten thousand years and forevermore, at some point, I'm going to be able to be like, hey, about them wasps. <laughs> and with that, oh, I need to go funny. to bed. Okay. Yep. I got to pick up your parents in like a half an hour. So, um, all right, guys, hopefully we'll, this will get out uh, tomorrow morning. Um, at some point, I'll work on it a little bit tonight and then I'll take off. And when I come home, I'll go to bed. So um, thanks for joining us. We will include those links to in the show notes. Um, if you swing down there and check those out, click through to those. Um, we also have a couple of our, um, I have a peak tea referral code in there. If you guys need, it's not an ad. I get like $10 off when you guys put in an order on one of my orders. 
and I drink this stuff like crazy. It's actually replaced coffee for me. I just had some during the show just now. Um, it's a fermented pu'er tea. Absolutely love it. Um, never had a tea quite like it before. So um, anyway, we'll include those show notes in there. I did mention Telegram as well. That's the best way to get a hold of us and interact with us regarding the show, content on the show, and with other listeners of the show. It's kind of a, a headquarters mostly others for these days. mostly others these days. It's kind of a hardcore, hardcore fan base. A hardcore, you know, the hardcore fans are over there. Um, so and listeners, all and the a, cool kids are. It's a let's fun community. It's a fun community. Let's say all the cool kids. It's a really, really fun community of a lot of different people in a lot of different walks of life and. The conversations are really rich and rewarding. You'll be blessed by joining there. So the link for the Telegram group is also in the show notes. It's a private group, so swing on over there and say hi. We hope to hear from you soon. And um, if you want to jump on our website, order some swag, or see some of our favorite um, products, I'll be updating the recommended products list here at some point soon. Um, you can see some of our favorite things. And uh, that's www. Except for grain. Except for grain. <laughs> www.toobusytoflush.com or tb, the number 2f, tb2f.com. Uh, you can reach that both there. That said, I think you can mail order the grain. So I can include. You, you can. You, like I said, you can. You Maybe can. people will. Maybe they won't. I don't know. You're, you're going to get a better price somewhere else. Fair. Unless you go get it. It's It costs almost double to order it by mail, it, to ship it. Okay. So a $30 bag of grain that you picked up in the store bucks. would cost 60 bucks yeah. to mail it. So, I mean, maybe you want to set up a dis- distributor wholesale in your local community so you can order a truckload or like pallets full and then just resell. That'd be kind of cool. You could do that if you're ambitious. Anyway, JR can include the um, link just for fun. I'll include the link, <laughs> I'll include the link just, for, just for fun. Um, that said, guys, um, Lord willing, we'll be with you. Um, hopefully just in a couple days so hopefully we can get in, in the habit days. of yeah, a habit back into a rhythm of weekly we'll figure out we a, need to figure out some cues do we need to easy, I mean make it satisfying yeah I don't really want to we can talk about it later like we were doing uh, Tuesday nights after the kids go to bed after judo first part of the week but I don't really care for that because Tuesday night's my time to prep for my Wednesday morning Bible study read, so I enjoyed that But then that we were time, doing Tuesday afternoon. We were, which I think worked, um, but it's an afternoon thing, so we'll figure it out, guys. Sorry. We'll uh, We'll talk we'll about it, it offline. Yeah. We won't bore you with But we're going to try to be back regularly now that our lives are less crazy until hunting season. Eek, eek. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks. 